5: And welcome to Join News Desk with Mami C. Nyamichet Thompson. In the headlines, the National Labor Commission is set to meet with the leadership of the Mortuary Workers Association of Ghana this morning in an attempt to mediate their scheduled indefinite strike. We have more for you as we speak with the National Labor Commission and the Mortuary Workers Union. Also, special prosecutor. In this Jabing is this morning holding a news conference on some critical developments related to their oppressions and sanctions. More than 600 individuals face displacement with some confined in their homes due to the overflow of the Dohanyo Dam in the Ningo Pum District. We have more for you on this. Enjoy! Clean Ghana campaign records high impact as a study reveals 8 out of 10 persons in Accra have changed their approach to sanitation issues in the environment. We have details of a study conducted by the AMA. These are more coming up in a short while. Please stay. Don't go away. In our first story, the National Labour Commission is set to meet with the leadership of the Mortuary Workers Association of Ghana in an attempt to mediate this scheduled indefinite strike. The General Secretary of the Mortuary Workers Association of Ghana, Richard Kofi Jordan, has expressed the Association's commitment to approaching the meeting with utmost good faith. Joining us is the Executive Director of the National Labour Commission, Asamoah, for more on this via Zoom. Mr. Samoa, we're grateful for your time here on Newsdesk. Um, if we may know, what is your approach entering into this meeting with the mortuary workers? Unfortunately, we are unable to reach Mr. Samuel, but we'll be going back to him. We'll do other stories until we get him. We'll move back to that story. Now, more than 600 individuals face displacement and some confined in their residences due to the overflow of the Dawanya Dam in the ningo district. The flooding stemming from the Dawanya Dam occurred on Monday afternoon. The dam which takes its source from rainwater and debris mountains supports rice and vegetable cultivation in the Dawanya area. Those impacted are seeking assistance, prompting the evacuation of affected persons. Joy News System, correspondent, Elvis Washington, was on a tour with some officials and has filed this report
6: the wenya dam overflow has resulted in the loss of several homes and valuable properties running into thousands of ghana cities while this is a recurring issue within the area during rainy seasons affected residents claim this time has been exceptionally damaging they continue to count their losses while appealing for
7: support and draw and around six a.m. And I you you a before it's another two
8: Five days and <laughs> and any 3 days in so na a toy and I don't I'm sorry, say me a market into me drew markets and I'm a money frame so almost minko spoons in so near a bad ho. into no me point me packing your man. burn ray me burn run me machine. I may depart my me where that will call me machine singing fridge TV be beer just a that was into naming in a the
6: Member of Parliament, Sam George, along with the district executive, executive and Nadmo officials surveyed affected areas, including Ardutic Meoto, Kososhi. Adokope and Oshiokbu, the tall uncovered structures built on waterways, with a major situation in Oshiokbu, where residents faces major challenges due to a developer filling the waterway and constructing an unprescribed culvert across the street. At Adokope, some residents were still trapped in their homes until they were rescued by the team. From that judge expressed dissatisfaction with assembly's inaction on residents building on waterways, recommending immediate intervention.
9: It is obviously clear that it is not just the dam that has created this problem, but this problem is as a result of human intervention as well. It is as a result of some man-made decisions that we need to interrogate. Because first and foremost, when you get to the irrigation site at Dawenya, you see a number of constructions going on on the banks of the stream because there's a stream that carries the runoff water and now they filled it up with material they've started constructing on it and so there's no reservoir and so all of that water is being pushed into the town now when you get into the town itself the water has its own natural course look at where we are standing right now this very location an individual chooses to build a hotel And because he's building a hotel, the runway for water, the natural stream, path of the stream into the lagoon, into the sea, he has blocked it and put a three inch culvert, which is woeful and inadequate. And that is what has created some kind of dam here and pushed the water back. So one individual. So you ask yourself, what's the assembly doing? I was on this tour with the DC. I kept asking, "What's the assembly doing? What's the engineering department doing? How are these houses coming up? How can an individual block a stream? And the district is sitting aloof."
6: The district Nabobos Michael Tai assured an assessment for relief items to help victims. Um, I came here with the DC and uh, my honourable MP. So we've seen the situation. We've assessed people who have been affected. By the, uh, the f- uh, flood, so we are going to meet again and see how best we can solve the situation. Uh, many lives uh, have been affected, so um, you give us some fuel, and otherwise we are going to meet with the DCE and see how best we can provide some relief items to people who have been affected by the water. The assembly member for Dawenya South, Moses Kuto, laments on how residents build without permits
10: within the community. It's a challenge when it comes to construction or development. We look at the appropriate authorities. The district assembly they are mandated in giving out permits to people who want to embark on any form of development. But even as we speak, the structures that we see in the water we we don't even know whether they have permits or not. Most of them I'm sure might not be having permits. So I, I believe the assembly, this is the time I'm also part of the assembly. This is the time we need to come in to support and make sure that residents before they embark on any form of development will have to get a permit before they do that. For
6: Joy News, my name is Elvis Washington reporting from Daweya in the Pram district.
5: Let's go to the area now where our correspondent Elvis Washington joins us via Zoom with more updates about the situation. Elvis, so what can you tell us about the fate of displaced persons in Daweya?
6: Thank you very much. Um, This morning, well, uh, affected residents are still counting their losses. Most of these people have to pass the night with relatives and neighbors living in adjoining communities within the enclave here. And if you come here this morning, the water as it stands looks a bit stagnant um, since buildings have actually been occupied um, on the natural way of this uh, water. Most of the affected residents have their buildings built directly in the middle of the waterway. So it makes it very difficult for the water to find its way into the Laloe stream. There is a stream in the Dohingya town that actually um, makes way. That actually conveys water from the mountains and then also um, from the the dam. But unfortunately, residents have actually built on it. So if you come here this morning, uh, residents are still counting their losses, and um, they, they have nowhere to go. They have had to pet with some uh, relatives and friends, living within, um, around the community. And um, this morning when I got here, nothing much has changed. These people are still roaming about, I mean, trying to get help from um, people and all that. Last night, the member of parliament and then the assembly made um, some agreement that there was going to be a meeting where today, these people would have been given some relief items. But unfortunately this morning, nothing of that sort has actually happened. These people are still counting on the assembly to come to their aid. If you come here, um, you see them in twos and threes, gathered, trying to think about the situation. The water is still stagnant. It, it doesn't look like it's receding anytime soon. So that is the situation here this morning.
5: Well, Elvis, you talk about the assembly, but have we in any case heard from um, Nadmo, who are the official um, um, you know, directorates to seek to these relief items being provided for the victims.
6: Yes, yesterday the Danmore officer, the district Danmore officer, um, was part of the tour, and he mentioned that um, he was going to organise an emergency meeting um, between himself and then um, some members of the assembly together with the um, chief executive, um, so that they will immediately mobilise relief items. He mentioned that within a few hours, if these people were going to see some. Um, items being come their way. But unfortunately, this morning, nothing of that sort has happened. I don't know whether it's going to happen this morning. I've tried reaching out to him, but um, nothing concrete has come out yet. Um, these people are still counting on them to come to their aid this morning because, as it stands now, they have no hope except to fall on the assembly and the benevolence of good people out there.
5: But really, what items will they be needing as of now to be able to cushion them until um, help comes?
6: Well, some of the people I spoke with yesterday and then this morning, they told me that they've lost everything, not even a blanket to sleep on. And one woman in the neighborhood here actually had to house about 40 people in her house. And indeed, she had nothing. So the people slept on bare floors. They slept on the bare floor. And so these people would definitely...
5: Unfortunately, we lost correspondent Elvis Washington who is um, at Dawenya for us where uh, almost 600 homes have been flooded by the Dawenya Dam. We'll move away from then, head to our very first story where the National Labor Commission is set to meet with the leadership of the Mortuary Workers Association of Ghana who are attempting to go on an indefinite strike. We have on the line or via Zoom, Executive Director of the National Labor Commission, um, Mr. Ofoswa Samwa, joining us on, on on this very development. Mr. Samwa, please, can you tell us the approach into this meeting this morning?
11: Yes, the National Labor Commission intends to meet the parties that are the most who
5: will
11: the Ministry of Health, the Ghana Health Services, the First and Salaries Commission, and the Ministry of Finance to settle the issue of outstanding allowances and other people that were uh, expressed and petitioning by the BOAC. You know, earlier when we got the petition, we quickly wrote to the Ministry of Health to advise the commission on what we are taking to update this uh, impending strike and outlining the complaints of the monthly workers. In fact, um, since then, we also invited them to this meeting So, that apart from what we were going to write the other party will also be around for us to iron out the differences if there were any outstanding. So, there's been a series of meetings that have gone on between the military workers and the ministry, and um, all parties seem to have come out with something. We have received letters yesterday and today which suggest a settlement and a directive signed by the the director of the Ministry of um, Health, directing that um, the allowances that were outstanding and few the mortuary workers should be paid by the head of facilities to, to forestall the intended uh, strike action. However, we have not received a letter from the mortuary workers confirming what we have received from the Ministry of Health and the uh, with the salaries Commission, telling us that they have implemented what they have to do. So they will be appearing before the Commission after 11 o'clock today, so that uh, it will be put to them. If it is acceptable and it is what it is, then I think the issue will be solved. If not, the Commission will proceed to I mean, deal with all outstanding issues, so that uh, there will be any strike.
5: Well, Mr. Soma, is it this particular letter that is becoming the military?
1: Spend your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. Escuchas ese rugido, sientes la experiencia de poder, la emoción de la libertad, ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC.
5: ...factor, preventing government from satisfying the concerns of these mortuary workers.
11: Oh, the government I wouldn't see is being prevented by elected or anything that I knew of from implementing in the They have signed a memorandum of understanding. So one it is signed is the two parties have agreed that this is what we ought to do. The problem I see from all the letters that we have received is that the implementation has been slow. And uh, that is what uh, the multi workers are, are running out of patience. They feel that the government or their employers. Have not committed themselves enough to the implementation. But like I said, with the letter, the letter received yesterday and another testimony, suggests that now a firm directive has been given for the facilities to implement what is outstanding. So um, that is it for now. But until the Commission says to put a it, I think this is what we have now. So,
5: right. So we look forward to the the outcome of this meeting. I will definitely, so yes,
11: by close of this day, I think the issue should be settled.
5: Uh, right. we're, we're certain that something positive is going to come out of today's meeting. Mister Sam, are you with me?
11: Yes. Yeah. Be, and, and we are calling you
5: Right, right, right. We're grateful, grateful, grateful for your time. You had Executive Director of the National Labor Commission, Ofusu Asamwa. Moving on, a high court in Accra has dismissed a suit filed by Deborah Serram Dabla, a young woman who sued a former chief finance officer of the First Atlantic Bank, Kuesini Mako, for reneging on his promises to her in their relationship. According to her, her sugar daddy, Kuesini Mako, agreed to buy her a car, pay for her accommodation for three years, provide a monthly stipend of 3,000 Ghana CDs, marry her after divorcing his wife, and offer a lump sum to start a business. The court, presided over by Justice John bosco Nabaresi says the relationship between the two was founded on immorality and also did not conform to accepted norms of society. Legal Affairs correspondent Richard Kujunyaku has more on this report.
12: Deborah Seram Adabla filed a suit in January 2023, alleging that Ernest Kwesi Nimakon, whom she refers to as her sugar daddy, made several promises to her during the subsistence of their relationship. According to her, her sugar daddy Kwesi Nimakon agreed to buy her the car, pay for her accommodation for three years, provide a monthly stipend of 3,000 Ghana cities, Marry her after divorcing his wife and offer a lump sum to start a business. Deborah Adabla claimed that although the car was initially registered in Nimaku's name, he later took it back, depriving her of its use after just a year. Additionally, she asserted that Kusin Nimaku paid for only one year of accommodation, despite promising to cover three years. The plaintiff was seeking an order from the court directed at the sugar daddy to transfer the title of the car into her name and also give her back the car. She prayed the court to order the defendant to pay her the lump sum to enable her to start a business to take care of herself as agreed by the plaintiff and the defendant. Another relief she also sought was for the court to order the sugar daddy to pay the outstanding two years accommodation as agreed between her and the defendant. That was not all. She also wanted the court to order the defendant to pay her medical expenses as a result of a side effect of a family planning treatment Kuesini Mako told her to do in order not to get pregnant. On Tuesday, the court dismissed the case, saying the writ filed by Seram Adabla discloses no cause of action. The court, in dismissing the case, indicated that the foundation of the relationship between the two was one that the court should not be disturbed with and be invited to give it judicial blessings. The presiding judge, Justice John Bosco Nabarese, says one cannot recover the price of something he or she has committed into an immoral act. The plaintiff, Sarah Adabla, was subsequently slapped with a cost Of 10,000 Ghana cities. Reporting for Joy News from the court complex, my name is Richard Kwejenyako.
5: Now, from that to some exciting news, the Joy Clean Ghana campaign is yielding positive behavioral changes as eight out of ten persons within the Accra metropolis have changed their approach to sanitation in their communities. This was contained in a survey conducted by the Accra Metropolitan Assembly into the impact of the Joy Clean Ghana campaign over a two-year period. There's more in this this report.
4: The Joy Clean Ghana campaign began with the goal to name and shame environmental health and sanitation offenders on camera to serve as deterrent whilst promoting good hygiene practices of environmental health and sanitation. Within the Accra Metropolis.
9: The Accra Metropolitan Assembly has quickened its steps to introduce star rating systems to improve sanitary conditions. Just like hotels receive stars, the AMA has commenced the assessment of public toilet facilities with a star rating
4: system. That was one of the episodes where the AMA was on inspection tour of some public toilet facilities. After four years of airing the Joy Clean Ghana campaign, the AMA has conducted a research into its impact on the audience. The survey was done in three sub-metros called clusters of the AMA.
12: 250 respondents were selected from each of the three sub-metros for the study also 30 respondents each from the 10 regions making 300 were also interviewed making a total of 1050 respondents the regions include ashanti northern upper west central Volta, bono ahafo western upper east and eastern region
4: one may ask how many of the respondents followed
12: the Ghana campaign the study found that 615 people followed the joy clean ghana campaign on a regular basis with 247 following when they were around another 109 person said they followed it twice a week and 79 percent said they followed it once in a while the
4: study found that 83 percent of the respondents have had a change in behavior after the exercises
12: 83 percent of the respondents said they had had a change in behavior After following the Joy Clean Ghana exercises, 8% said there had not been any change and 9% of the respondents could not tell. Going deeper into the findings, 50% of the respondents said they are very careful about food safety now. 24% said they've stopped buying food from outside. 18% also said... They have started doing the right things with 8% of the respondents saying they have stopped selling in dirty environments.
4: The report concludes that a Joy Clean Ghana campaign brought life into environmental health awareness in Ghana.
8: We are doing this, like I keep saying, as a continuous improvement measure. They will not be worried. It will rather put the operator and the cleaners on their toes. And it also gives some comfort to the user. So it's a win-win situation.
4: This report serves as a background for the Joy Clean Ghana campaign to expand into other areas in the country. The next phase of the exercise will see us coming to a place closer to you. For Joy News, Samuel Kujobres, Accra.
5: A news just coming in customers of Black Shield Capital Management, formerly known as Gold Coast Securities Limited, have blocked the entrance or to the Ministry of uh, Foreign F- uh, Finance, I beg your pardon, the Ministry of Finance, in demand of the locked-up funds. Um, this is part of a 36-hour picketing of the ministry to compel it to pay their monies. Um, we have our correspondent, James Averji, on the field and be joining us with updates on, on there. James, if, if you can hear me, what's the latest there where you are?
10: Okay. Okay. They are now calling, right?
5: So as you can see on your screen, these are live visuals coming in from the Ministry of Finance where customers of Black Shield Capital Management are currently picketing and um, demanding money. They are locked up funds. And James joins us now. James, what's happening? (laughs) Uh, the, on your screen, you can see um, one of the customers attempting to remove her clothing. But fortunate, unfortunately, that that is. We have James on the line with us, telling us what's happening. Hello, mommy, Can you hear me? I can hear you now, James. Um, unfortunately, this woman trying to take off her clothes on the screen. What more can you report? Okay, where you are?
10: So, uh, these are customers. Of- Black Shield uh, uh, Fund Management Limited, uh, uh, formerly called uh, Gold Coast Limited. And so uh, they have been at the finance ministry for the past 24 hours. Uh, What they started yesterday at about 11 a.m. was a 36-hour marathon of picketing to demand for their locked-up funds. We know that somewhere in 2018, 2019 government through the security and exchanges commission withdrew the licenses of gold coast uh, fund management leading to the locking up of funds of hundreds or thousands of customers they have been placing demands on government over the period to make sure that their funds are redeemed Uh, now yesterday at 11 a.m. they came to the finance ministry here uh, to picket here as we speak The gates to the finance ministry have been locked to traffic. They have initially blocked the gate, not allowing any car inside or out of the finance ministry. But just in a few minutes ago, they moved to the street of the finance ministry. What it means is that no car uh, can go through or use the street in front of the finance ministry as they press on their demand for their money. I would attempt to speak with a few of them to know what exactly their cases are. Mommy,
7: please uh, how long have you been saving with the uh, uh, God gold? Oh, so many years but only I need my money. I need my money. I since here. Since yesterday. I haven't been eating. And so I need this. Our bread is better than now. Get more. I will go. So You have also been here since yesterday. Yes, I slept yes, here. I haven't been. Passing. You slept where? Where exactly did you sleep? On the green glass. In the green glass. The I sleep. I haven't been eating.
10: I mean, what's the effect of this locked up fans on yourself, financially or health
7: wise? What has been the effect of the fans on you? Uh, i don't know. Me thank God,ni for my health. Me uko numanya seventy years. Seventy years, me u have grandchildren. Me ni ane mama. I come here. I and pay kwa am Enno mndidi ham injare. What's the call to government? I don't know. I don't know. He said he won't give anything to us. He pay a we can sleep here to uh, general, next year, 2020. it oh, won't give us uh, anything i see if we can sleep here.
10: Who give us anything? So uh, that's one of the customers saying that she's over 70 years, have been here since yesterday. She says she slept on one, the green grasses around here in the pursuit for her money. The demand is that government would hear to her call and pay her, her money. Let's try and speak with one of the leaders of the group. Uh, you are actually... The convener. What's your name? Charles Nyami. Charles Nyaba. Okay, uh, uh, very popular, Charles Nyaba. Charles Nyami. Uh, Charles Nyami. Now you started this yesterday. When are you ending? 7 p.m. today, with the arrangement that we have with the police. And so the police have allowed you to block the entrance of the finance ministry. We
13: will not say allowed, but we have blocked the entrance. Why? Because no one is attending to our needs, and we don't. We didn't come here to for picnic we came here for a protest mm-hmm. you mean that since i am
10: told that you started yesterday at 11 uh, since you came yesterday till this morning it's about 12 hours now nobody has attended to you from the finance ministry
13: in fact we were engaged by the finance ministry led by honorable mustafa amin oh. the minister of state for finance ministry but in the meeting he just insulted us and we also walked out of the meeting if you say he insulted you what do you mean We had met this minister earlier uh, on, on, on the 12th of October when we came here to pick it. And in the meeting, we agreed that he was going to tell the government the need to effect our payment immediately and bring us feedback in two weeks. The two weeks elapsed on the 26th of October and he never got back to us upon several follow up. He never got back to us. So yesterday, when he was inviting us, we didn't want to meet him. But we were persuaded and we met with him. But yesterday was the worst of it all. He told us that the finance ministry will affect our payments on only one condition. And that condition is that we the customers should get assistance from the finance yeah. ministry so that yeah. we will go after dr yeah. papakosi indum and the gold coast fund management company challenging the liquidation or the fall by the government through the register general yeah. department against the company to sell its assets but we said i know yeah. this is a purely legal process and we cannot use illegality Get him out of the court. It is the government that filed this case against Gold Coast Fund Management. And, litigation, and, and, and liquidation is, is a, a litigation pro, uh, process. He has put up a defense. If the government has done everything so well with due diligence, they have to provide their facts and their evidence for the court to rule in favor of the government and grant them the liquidation is, order. Is, is it a case that he's suggesting that you should take
10: a legal action against government before he gets you paid or... He wants you to
13: go to Dr. Papakosindou to demand for your money. No, he was trying to say that the money is ready. Approved money by parliament is ready. But they will not disperse unless we force Dr. Papakosindou out of the courts.
10: Okay, so they want uh, uh, your former boss to take the issue against government about the the legitimacy of withdrawal of uh, of his
13: license from court before they pay you no and no no he is not this is not a challenge a, a, a of withdrawal of licenses there is two different cases ongoing in court as far as gold coast fund management is concerned okay. one is uh, Gold Coast Fund Management challenging the withdrawal of its licences, okay. But that is not the bone of contention between we and the Finance Ministry on our payment. Okay, the contention is? The issue is there is another case, which is a liquidation case. They need authority from the court so that they can sell the properties of Gold Coast Fund Management. And that one is a liquidation order case, which the government has filed through the Registrar General Department to get this liquidation order from the court so that they can sell the assets. And that is what, after they filed it, the Securities and the Gold Coast Fund Management is putting up a defense. And it is up to government to prove beyond reasonable doubt that the Gold Coast Fund Management Company is duly insolvent and they need to be liquidated. Which, I don't know if the the government is fumbling in proving that case, and they want to use us through a legitimate means to fight Dr. Indum with machete and catalysis to go out of court, okay. which it is out of order, and we cannot do that.
10: okay Now, as we speak, what's the total amount of fans
13: of you customers locked up uh, with Black sheep? As we stand, According to the figures that we know, it's left with, for for black sheep com- customers alone, it's left with 4.3 billion Ghana cities, for black company customers alone. These figures were mentioned to us in. On the, 12th of, on the 12th of October, when we met with the Finance Ministry together with the Regulator, Securities Commission, we asked them that what was the total portfolio for Gold Coast Fund Management before the revocation of licences, and they said that it was it was 5.3 billion. And we asked them that out of the partial bailout, how much have they paid as? part payment to Gold Coast Fund Management customers. And they said little over 700 million Ghana cities. It means that they have not paid even a a billion Ghana
10: cities to us. So as we speak, they owe you over 4 billion Ghana cities. How many are you in all?
13: Right now, we are over 61,000 direct customers. And these direct customers, we have corporate institutions, which involve a lot of... Individuals as a one portfolio counted. We have a lot of financial institutions like the microfinances, the corporate credit union, churches, and other institutions. Okay, okay? but all these things are counted as a single investment claim. So if we open up the tentacles, these 61,000 customers will spread to not less than 150,000 customers. Okay,
10: so uh, by 7 p.m., what do you expect government to tell you? And in the, uh, in the event that you do not hear that from
13: government, what's your next line of action? By 7 p.m., if we do not hear anything from the government, as far as we are concerned, that is the arrangement we have with the police. So we will end the protest, and we will let you know our next line of action. Yeah, Okay. No. And so uh,
10: that is Charles Nyame, a convener for Black Shield He says that there are about 61,000 of them, including, um, I mean, uh, institutions, uh, including individuals, who government owed a total of over 4 billion Ghana cities. They started this yesterday at 11 p.m., and they say that they will be continuing to 7 p.m. today. As we speak, they have blocked the entrance, no... Car of workers of the finance ministry is going in and out of the ministry. Uh, they have just moved that to the main route in front of the finance ministry. What they intend to do is to occupy this place, uh, people ranging from pensioners. I just spoke with a woman who says she's over 70 and her money is there. They are demanding government to pay Although government has promised in the 2024 budget that uh, they are actually working towards resolving these issues, they said they are taking none of that. All they want is uh, payment of their over 4 billion Ghana cities. So that's the issue here. That's what is going on at the finance ministry as we speak.
5: But James, have you been able to hear from the finance ministry? Anybody at all telling you which steps they're taking um, as to address the concerns of these people? Unfortunately, um, my colleague didn't hear me there, but we'll move on. The Accra Metropolitan Assembly has launched its Christmas traffic campaign to help ease the flow of human and vehicular traffic within the central business district and other parts of the metropolis ahead of the December festivities. The campaign dubbed Operation Let the Traffic Flow will ensure that drivers do not park their cars on the roads and traders who sell by the roadside have moved to the parks and markets to decongest heavy traffic in the city. Traffic congestion in the central business area in the greater Accra
8: region reaches its peak each year during Christmas and New Year festivities. The rush to get Christmas gifts for loved ones and the inflow of family from the diaspora and other cities contribute to the levels of traffic in the capital. As part of efforts to decongest the heavy human and vehicular traffic in the city this December, the Accra Metropolitan Assembly has launched Christmas traffic campaign, dubbed Operation Let the Traffic Flow. The mayor of Accra, a Saki is cautioning traders against trading on pavement and roads in the city. She stated that it is unlawful for drivers to park their vehicles on the roads and is urging them to desist from the act.
14: Well, the Assembly deeply appreciates the invaluable contribution of the informal sector, including street vendors to our city's vibrant life. Operation operation lets the traffic flow has become imperative for the overall well-being of all. Trading on the streets and pavements aside the designated areas is prohibited and against the bylaw of the Assembly. Parking and loading at unauthorized places is unlawful. The vehicle found, vehicles found to be parked at the wrong places will be towed and offenders duly fined. Trading activities on the Carnation overhead bridge should cease immediately to prevent looming disasters.
8: Head of Public Affairs for AMA, Gilbert Ankra, says the Metro Security Council has deployed a special task force to see to compliance issues.
6: Let me state that the AMA currently, we are looking at our jurisdiction spans between areas um, of Ash Keteke, Mokankwe South and then um, Ablikwa South. So we are looking at the entire central business district. We are looking at areas within Kanishi. Don't forget, Kaneshi also is uh, some area where we have a lot of drivers parking on the streets and all that. So as part of this exercise, we're moving our men to these uh, areas to ensure that uh, we not necessarily deconject, but to ensure that uh, we ease uh, people who have, um, who are operating within areas Would bring condition.
8: The Accra Metropolitan Assembly is urging citizens in the region to refrain from lecturing in the city. Rejoice, Semefak report read to you.
5: ATC Ghana has identified that the availability of highly skilled ICT professionals is key. To the sustainability and effectiveness of operations in the telecommunications industry, the initiative since 2018 has led to the establishment of 20 learning centres in the country. The latest is a fully furnished digital community ICT lab at the Ghana Girls Guide Training Centre at Achimota. Ethan Lai was other conditioning and reports.
15: ATC has identified that the availability of highly skilled ICT professionals is key the sustainability and effectiveness of operations in the telecommunications industry. CEO of ATC Ghana, Mr. Ashtar Singh, said the digital communities program is one of their key flagship initiatives to support a digitally driven economic life in line with their sustainability commitment. They're located strategically close to basic schools to ensure easy access to aid teaching and learning. Since 2018, ATC Ghana has completed 10 such fully equipped centers, which are currently in use across the country. The digital communities are mainly targeted at basic school peoples and residents in underserved communities. The digital communities, uh, therefore, are positioned strategically to, uh, to pique the interest of pupils in ICT at a young age. Chief Director of the Ministry, Mrs. Mamile Andrews, said she believes the initiative positions the young children to fit perfectly within the digital age.
8: This partnership is not only marking a significant step towards bridging the digital divide, but it is also empowering our girls around across the country through access to ICT education and information.
15: According to International Commissioner of the Ghana Girls Guide Association, Mrs. Cynthia Labram, this project which is their second in partnership with ATC, will be very beneficial to the girls and other schools that do not have ICT
14: labs. This place is currently our centre, so we have girl guides from all around the world coming here for trainings. So this being here will also serve as an ICT centre for them to train. The
15: girls' guides are also excited about the project.
8: I will get an opportunity, a chance to research on all the things like climate change. I think it's a really nice thing that they've done here. And I hope it impacts not only me, but every other guide here.
15: The project is part of their Global Philanthropic and Sustainability Initiative, which aims to build over 2,000 digital communities lab by 2025 and encourage more girls to get into ICT. For Joy News... Ethan Lai's report, read to you.
5: You're still listening to Joy News Desk. We'll be right back with business.
7: Every day, people have money in agencies. My name, My
15: name is Kofi. Emergency. Mommy chop money. Cho money. money emergency. emergency.
14: Emergency.
15: Emergency. Catch it. I'm your age. Emergency. Now, there's a
7: new emergency number in town. More money, more money, challenge and enjoyment. At the top, like
14: we got. Now, start selling 70-0 hash for all your money emergencies.
1: Dial star 770
6: hash for money emergencies and get easy and quick access to your money, loans and other banking needs. Ecobank, the Pan-African bank.
16: Show Step Up is back with another amazing season. This time, we are stepping up with Syntex 10. Step up with Syntex Tank. We'll see contestants answer questions of your choice and win over 6,000 Ghana Series cash prize weekly and other products from our sponsors. This season, viewers at home should watch out for the Syntex Tank question of the week. Be the first to answer correctly via WhatsApp or send SMS to 050-833-8888 and win incredible prizes. The person who answers most of the weekly questions correctly and fastest gets a 65-inch Samsung TV at the the end of the season. Step up with Syntex 10 showing on Joy Prime every Sunday 7:30 p.m. Sponsored by Bell Ice, MTN Momo, Angel Cola, powered by Syntex Tan. Joy Prime, your ultimate experience. <laughs>
8: hi trying, especially my Your superstation love 99.5 FM in partnership with the brilliant minds behind your favourite court series, KDTL vs Mapala, comes to your latest comedy master, Banana and Melon movie. Meet Henry, a man on a do or die mission to win the hat of his lover, Afi. But Afi seems to have other plans. Are you, are you an Ewe? Yes, Afi. Ooh, Afi, ooh, you're lucky. I'm lucky. Yes, I'm looking for an Ewe. You're an Ewe. Starring the incredibly talented Louise Lamis, the fantastic Atidazi, and the lovely Isabella Etona, comedian Kwoku 40, and many more. <laughs> Don't miss the grand premiere in Kumasi on December 2nd at the CCB Auditorium, KNUSD, and their two show times, 7 pm and 9 pm. Tickets are available for just 60 Ghana CD single and 100 Ghana CDs couple. Tickets are available at Front Desk of Love FM, Poku Trading Supermarket, Adum, IC Cup, KNUSD commercial area. Sponsors.
5: Get ready to be inspired and uplifted when we take you on a captivating journey to the heart of Ghana on the flip side of the Living Standard series where we focused on the struggles of everyday people battered by the economic crisis now we focus on the stories of hope we delve into the lives of Ghanaians and businesses fearlessly taking on the challenges of a tough economy with determination
12: i believe things will get better that's
11: why i'm not giving up
5: life Welcome back. We are unable to bring you business, but happening now at the office of the special prosecutor, there's a press conference ongoing on some critical developments related to its operations and functions. Let's go live there now.
2: Now, I to
17: this position. I am proud to announce that the office now has its full establishment staff of 249. This recruitment drive is four years behind schedule. However, we are excited that we have our full complement of the foundation staff seated now. We are ready to branch out into the regions, starting from Kumasi, Tamale, and Takuradi, and we will be seeking approval for clearance to hire more personnel. Members of the press, the office is the resolute flagship anti-corruption agency of the republic, in delivering on its mandate of investigating corruption and corruption-related offenses, prosecuting suspected offenders, recovering assets, and taking steps to prevent corruption. Apart from a few interviews we have granted in the course of 22 months, our interface with the media has been largely impersonal. We have invited you here for a change, to brief you directly on developments in respect of some ongoing investigations and to take questions if you have any. I hope you don't have questions. On 22 July 2021, during my approval process before Parliament, I declared my resolve to render corruption a costly adventure on all accounts. And this office has been doing exactly that. A major pillar of the fight against corruption is transparency on the part of anti-corruption agencies. Corruption is perpetrated in stealth and in secrecy and it thrives on its shrouded attributes. To firmly tackle corruption we must fight it openly and bear it out in light for public scrutiny. At the OSB we uphold transparency and we inform the public promptly on occurrences and developments in respect of the cases under investigation and before the law courts. We do so where the publication will not endanger national security or compromise an ongoing investigation or unnecessarily impair the reputation of persons under investigation. In pursuance of transparency, we have adopted a policy that the office would issue a media release after every major judicial pronouncement or decision by informing the public on our judges' opinions in cases involving the OSP and stating the position of the office on the opinion in question as to whether the opinion progresses the fight against corruption or inhibits the fight against corruption. This policy is as novel as the office itself, And much like every aspect and operation of this office, the policy has generated public debate on its propriety or otherwise. Those who applaud this policy of transparency see it for what it is. Public information and assurances of the position of the office on the fight against corruption and nothing more. Those who decry it see it as an attack on the judiciary. Indeed, I have had several calls from well-meaning lawyers admonishing me that they have heard talk that our friends who have been elevated to the bench and presiding over cases in court do not take very kindly to criticism, especially of the public calling out variety, as we do. And that if the office persists in the media releases, the judges will gang up against the office And throughout all our cases, mind you, members of the press, collective admonition is from very senior and experienced lawyers who are men and women of the world. Members of the press, my learning of the law for the past 25 years in three different jurisdictions, my teaching and training of lawyers and law students for the past 17 years, my 20-year record at the bar all bear testimony that I will be the last person to head and lead an institution to attack the judiciary. It will be absolutely of no good and utility should it be the case that the OSP is set against the judiciary or that the judiciary is against the OSP that will surely spell disastrous consequences for this republic, especially in the fight against corruption, to the unending glee of corrupt persons. The OSP will not countenance for a moment such an impression. What we do is a statement of our position on judicial pronouncements in the context of the fight against corruption and whether it benefits the quest against corruption, or otherwise. And this is so, whether the judicial decision in question is favorable to the OSP or not. And to the well-meaning lawyers who call to admonish me, I always assure them that I do not believe that our judges see themselves as above criticism. Indeed, I vividly recollect when, years ago, as a private practitioner, A justice of the Supreme Court softly chastised me in open court that I was not churning out enough published articles in critique of their work because I was a lecturer at the University of Ghana. The judge added that criticism of judicial pronouncements was essential in guiding judges and he fondly recollected the regular publications of old in the University of Ghana Law Journal and the Review of Ghana Law. I reckon the judge's observation with admiration collectively with the well meaning lawyers who admonish me we philosophize and wonder if our judges would do such a thing as gang up against the flagship public anti corruption agency to scuttle its work for whatever reason our musings run along the lines of would that not defeat the fight against corruption would that not put our young democracy in danger Will the judges not stultify themselves in the process? We always end with an open-ended sigh, sometimes a sigh of relief, sometimes a sigh of concern, that may that never be the case. And personally, I do not believe that our judges will ever adopt such a dystopian stance. However, members of the press, there appears to be a developing trend of rather regressive and dismissive judicial decisions in respect of cases involving the OSP, with troubling consequences. And it seems to us that a careful examination of these outcomes portends a disturbing specter that the fight against corruption is being hampered to the disbenefit of us all. And I do not say these things lightly. Four instances will suffice. In one case, the OSP applied to the High Court for a confirmation of a freezing order in respect of a deceased person's estate. The judge refused to confirm the order by, in effect, holding that the OSP had come too late since the person of interest had died and that his death had extinguished the inquiry commenced after the occurrence of death. We publicly commented on this outcome. And the danger of this outcome is obvious, members of the press. It is to the effect that a person may, in his lifetime, acquire property through corruption and then, upon his demise, happily pass on the corruptly acquired property to his estate and, by so doing, extinguish all scrutiny as to the propriety or otherwise of the acquisition of the property because his corrupt activities were not discovered during his lifetime. In the second instance, the OSP had declared as wanted a person it believed to be a fugitive from justice. The person, through his lawyer, proceeded to the Human Rights Court on an ex-parte application. And the judge, without even an inquiry as to why the OSP believed him to be a fugitive from justice, issued an injunction that the OSP should not arrest the person for a period of 10 days members of the press. This is dangerous. It encourages criminal suspects to go before the courts to seek injunction orders against law enforcement agencies from apprehending them. The judge did not adverse his mind to the well-founded proposition that no one has the right not to be arrested. And he accorded the suspect a right not to be arrested. In the third instance... The OSP applied to the High Court for a confirmation of a seizure order and a freezing order in respect of a person who had just resigned from a ministerial position and had reported that large car sums in foreign denominations had been stolen from her residence. In addition, the OSP subsequently discovered additional large car sums in foreign denominations and cities still stashed in her residence the judge hastily dismissed the OSP's application and ordered a return of the seized amounts and the defreezing of her property, and he proceeded to lash out at the OSP for not doing a thorough investigation without the slightest consideration that the seizure and freezing orders are designed by law to facilitate investigation into the affairs of suspects and not the other way around of requiring thorough investigations before the OSP can seize or freeze. The judge also completely ignored the fact that in almost every jurisdiction, including Ghana, it is extremely unusual and highly suspicious for a public officer to have such large car sums stashed in their homes, and that the circumstances of the case dictated pause and reflection and the granting of the OSP adequate time to carry out its investigation. In our estimation, the judge was only interested in the return of the money to the person of interest, and nothing more. Then he proceeded to erect non-existent legal barriers to prevent the OSP from investigating the matter. I'll revisit this case. Members of the press, in the fourth instance... The OSP had issued an investigation report in respect of the grant of a customs advance ruling by the Customs Division of Ghana Revenue Authority. The report opined that there was an institutionalized culture of lightened, sorry, light-hearted unconcern regarding impropriety of action at, at the Customs Division of Ghana Revenue Authority, which indicated a high propensity to engender corruption. And corruption-related activities. Consequently, the Special Prosecutor directed the opening of a wider investigation in respect of the affairs of the Customs Division. Further, in pursuance of the Office's mandate of taking steps to prevent corruption, the Special Prosecutor directed remedial action by Ghana Revenue Authority. The authority has instituted processes on the basis of the Special Prosecutor's directive, which has saved the nation Substantial revenue. Then comes the problem. The affected customs officials proceeded to the High Court to challenge the work of the OSP. The judge accused the OSP of constituting itself into a court and a commission of inquiry by making findings. In doing so, the judge conveniently shut his eyes to an express statutory provision that the OSP Has the mandate to publish detected acts of corruption, and that was exactly what the OSP had done in their report. I wish it had ended there, but worse, the judge then proceeded to prohibit the OSP from further investigating the affected persons. Members of the press, the judge fell into the grievous fault of what he accused the OSP of by outlandishly going beyond his jurisdiction with a a purported clothing of the affected persons with immunity from investigation and hence immunity from prosecution. Members of the press, the duty and mandate of the courts is to apply and enforce the laws of the republic and not to grant persons immunity from criminal investigations and prosecution. A court cannot injunct the OSP from investigating or prosecuting any person. The decision to investigate and prosecute lies with the investigation and prosecution authorities, such as the OSP. And the OSP has at all material times carried out its power to investigate with candor and professionalism, being minded of the rights of suspects under its investigation. Members of the Press just as it is essential that anyone accused of a crime should have free access to the courts so that he may be duly acquitted if found not guilty of the offence with which he or she is charged, it is also of the utmost importance that the judiciary should not interfere with investigation and prosecution authorities in respect of matters which are within their statutory powers. It will be gravely inimical to public policy the fight against corruption, and the administration of justice, if the court stepped into this arena to decide who should be